Hello, Chinese friends. Welcome to Spiritual Waimai. 欢迎来到属灵外卖 Delivering the spiritual food to you when you can't get out. 当你无法外出的时候，我们为你速递属天灵粮 This Spiritual Waimai article is a part of the series entitled "You're God's Masterpiece: The Genesis Notes." 本期属灵外卖来自特别系列。你是神的杰作，创世纪手记。Studying the book of Genesis to discover direction and hope for your awesome life. 通过研读创世纪，并联系新约的思想，为您的美好生活提供指引和亮光。The big moment, Genesis chapter forty-one. Still waiting. After correctly interpreting the cupbearer's and baker's dreams. Joseph began to wait. He had hope that the cupbearer would remember him in prison and bring his release. Genesis chapter forty, verses fourteen to fifteen. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Did the cupbearer help Joseph? Genesis chapter forty, verse twenty-three. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Two full years. Chapter forty-one begins with a grim verse. Genesis chapter forty-one, verse one a. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Two full years. If I was Joseph, I would wake up every morning thinking, "Today will be the day the cupbearer remembers me. Maybe today I will go free." Two years can be a long time, especially if you are suffering in prison. Joseph's waiting, though, is not uncommon. In fact, waiting is a common part of the Christian life. Why must we wait for the things hoped for? There are several different reasons we wait. Number one, we are not ready. Number two, others are not ready. Number three, the circumstances are not ready. Number four, God's time has not yet come. In Joseph's case, I believe all these reasons were true. For two years he waited because he was not ready. Others were not ready. The circumstances were not ready, and it was not yet God's time. But finally, Joseph's moment came, and it was a big one. Genesis chapter forty-one, verses one to eight. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt. Came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank, and the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret for him. Two dreams. 
Pharaoh's dreams were very strong ones, powerful, so vivid, while he was troubled by them during the day. I often have dreams and I quickly forget them. But every once in a while, I have a powerful dream and I know it is a spiritual dream and I should pay attention. In this case, Pharaoh paid attention and he wanted to know what they meant. He did everything in his power. He called all of the wise men and spiritual leaders together, but no one knew the meeting. This must have been a really big deal in the palace because even the cupbearer heard about the confusing dreams and it triggered a memory. Joseph. Cupbearer's memory. When the cupbearer remembered Joseph, how did he describe him to Pharaoh? Genesis chapter 41 verses 9 to 13. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants. He imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. The cupbearer did not call Joseph a fellow prisoner, but a servant. This tells us the way the official cupbearer, a high official, viewed Joseph as not a criminal, but as one who had a job, who worked, who was trusted. Joseph did not let his circumstances get him down. Joseph lived in a prison, but he did not act like a prisoner. He rose above his suffering. Joseph described it as a dungeon, so it was not a very nice place. And when he worked hard, others took notice. Your circumstances might be difficult, hard job, difficult family life, financial strain, but you can rise above your circumstances just like Joseph. Just because you live in a hard place doesn't mean you have to act like a prisoner. Are you living in a difficult situation? How can you rise above your circumstances like Joseph did and overcome hardship to do what God has called you to do? Pharaoh called for Joseph. Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 to 16. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. What happens next happened very quickly. It was not a slow process. As soon as the cupbearer told Pharaoh about Joseph, Pharaoh called for him and quickly brought him out of the dungeon. But Joseph took a moment to get himself together. He did two things shaved and changed his clothes. This is very practical advice. When you go to meet with someone, show respect. This was not a prideful action Joseph did, but a respectful thing. Once again, Joseph was not going to act like a prisoner in front of Pharaoh. Poor me, I'm a prisoner wrongly accused. He was going to look and act respectable and show honor to Pharaoh. He was ready to step up, move ahead, He is ready for his big moment. He wanted to get out of his prison clothes, let go of the past, and move forward. Pharaoh asks Joseph to interpret. 
Pharaoh is giving Joseph his big, glorious moment. Joseph, did Joseph have flashbacks to when he was 17 and had dreams about his family bowing down before him? Now Joseph is standing before the most powerful man in the world, and that man is asking Joseph for help. When Pharaoh asks Joseph to interpret the dream, how does Joseph answer? Joseph's transformation. Let's look back over Joseph's life as a dream interpreter. How did he communicate about dreams in the past? Age 17, Genesis chapter 37, verses 6 to 7 and 9. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. Age 28. Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Age 30. Genesis chapter 40, verse 16. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Over the years, how does Joseph change in his attitude about interpreting dreams? At age 17, the dreams and everything was all about Joseph. Listen, he commanded them, and everything was I, mine, and me. At age 28, he acknowledged God would interpret dreams, but then he said, tell me. There was a little bit of Joseph still in there, but at age 30, Joseph does not even consider himself. He says he cannot do it, and he removes himself from the conversation. God will give Pharaoh the answer. There's no me, my, or I anywhere to be found. Joseph is a changed man. Though he is experienced and skilled, he totally removes himself and puts God at the center. What do you think has brought Joseph's transformation? The Dreams Genesis chapter 41, verses 17 to 36. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dreams I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, showing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up after are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. 
Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason these dreams was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Joseph's big moment. Joseph has become a humble man. He has put God at the center, but he does not sit down after he gives the interpretation. He does not quietly walk away. No, he launches into his second gifting administration. He does not hold back, but boldly speaks to Pharaoh out of his experience, understanding, and knowledge. Pharaoh doesn't ask for this, but Joseph naturally unfolds a plan for the nation. It is how Joseph operates. He sees something that needs to be managed, and he does it. He managed Potiphar's home. He managed the prison. And now he's going to manage the most powerful nation on earth, Egypt. This was what he was made for. This was a simple and clear plan. Create an organizational chart with a delegation, one leader with a team. Notice the leader mentioned was not Pharaoh. And then store one-fifth, a clear and precise measurement of the grain. Joseph laid this plan out in four verses. Two gifts come together. Joseph is fully functioning in his two gifts. His dream interpretation and administration gifts are working together in an incredible way. Number one, this is what is going to happen, dream interpretation. Number two, this is what you need to do about it, administration. We still have these types of people today. We call them visionaries, pioneers. They can see what needs to be done and they can formulate a plan to get it done. These people cannot function alone. They need a team to do the work. Joseph had the vision and the mission and now he asks for a team to work it out. Pharaoh's response. What was Pharaoh's description of Joseph? Genesis chapter 41, verses 37 to 45. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second-in-command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath paneha 
and gave him Asneth, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Everything. When Pharaoh observed Joseph had the Spirit of God in him, he was discerning and wise. Pharaoh then did what everyone else had done. He did what Potiphar did. He did what the captain of the guard did. He gave Joseph everything. Joseph's abundance. Genesis chapter 41, verses 46 to 57. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sands of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of An. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. And in these seven years, Joseph also experienced seven years of personal abundance. He became the second in command of all Egypt. He had the signet ring of Pharaoh, which meant Joseph had authority and power to act. Joseph wore royal robes and jewelry and rode in a royal chariot, like the best car in town. He received a new name, a wife, and had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph's sufferings always before him. Joseph's suffering did not just disappear overnight. He gave his two sons important names, which indicate that though Joseph is now free and flourishing, he is still aware of his suffering. Manasseh means forget. And Joseph said, God has helped me forget my trouble and my father's household. Ephraim means twice fruitful. And Joseph said, he has been fruitful in the land of his suffering. Joseph was still suffering though. Even though he suffered, he was walking in the things God created him to do. And the result was Joseph saved the world. All of the world came to Egypt. All of the world came to Joseph. Joseph was the first person in history to save the world. Super success. How did Joseph find himself in this position of incredible power, authority, and success? What did Joseph do? Number one, endured suffering. Number two, developed humility. 
Number three, waited, but he was productive in the waiting. Number four, grew his gifts. Number five, operated confidently with his gifts. Number six, ready to serve no matter where he was. Seven, placed God at the center and gave him glory. God can use you to save a starving world. God can use you to save the world, save your family, neighborhood, friends, and coworkers. The world is starving, spiritually starving. We, like Joseph, have plenty, plenty for the whole world. God can use you to meet the needs of those around you. Are you willing to embrace suffering, humility, and waiting? Will you develop your gifts, use them, and be prepared to serve no matter where you are? Will you place God at the center and give Him all the glory? What is God calling you to do today? When studying this chapter, I asked myself, if I knew that we were coming to the end of seven years of spiritual plenty and we're about to to begin seven years of spiritual famine, what would I do? I considered the ways we share the gospel and help believers grow to maturity. These things I would continue, but what else would I do? I thought of the nine years of leading Bible studies in China and all of the notes I've written and thought, I would write books. This was the thought which led to the creation of the Genesis notes. May the Lord use these notes to feed a spiritually starving world in the days to come. His word is our daily bread. Spiritual food for all. Are you spiritually starving? Jesus said he is the bread of life. He can meet your every need. There is enough for you, for me, for all of us. Let's come to him for all we need. Thanks for having some spiritual waimai with us. We hope that you liked it and that it fed your soul. And we hope you come back for some more. We love ya.